Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at No Clutch Nate. And I'm Sam. I'm the host of the Justice League Universe podcast with our team over there. We are also analyzing these movies. Uh, we are going scene by scene. And currently we are pretty thick into the middle of Justice League. All righty. They got a leg up on the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah, we didn't start with Man of Steel. We just started with BVS. Um, but we are trying to make our way back to Man of Steel because we still really appreciate that movie. So we're kind of picking it up in retrospect. So you guys started at the actual beginning. So. It's five years now, Man of Steel, right? It's been that's, the five year. Yeah, that's amazing to think about. <laughs> Imagine what it would be like. You know, we were just talking about uh, Star Wars, and I've had this theory now that the prequels are going through like a renaissance kind of, of sorts now that it's like creeping up on the 20th year of episode one, and I feel like more people are now starting to look back in, in a more positive way about the prequels. So I'm wondering if... 20 years is a golden golden rule for for films to i don't know be centralized of some sorts like it took blade runner 25 years ish for people to and multiple cuts though and multiple <laughs> cuts so my theory is give it 20 years maybe donald justice will be a, a huge classic that we all finally uh learn about i don't know fingers crossed right <laughs> but uh yeah no i i've always been like waiting for you guys to go back and, and do Man of Steel because it seems like, I don't know, ever since we started this thing with Man of Steel, it's, to us it was like digging up a, a, something that was like, hey, this is really good. Why aren't we talking about this film more? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Dawn of Justice is the film that made me go back and realize that, which is kind of weird, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm super anxious for you guys to to one day go and and do Man of Steel and I'll be there I'll be I'll be waiting, um, but yeah today we're talking about Suicide Squad we're finally here, uh, Sam uh, when was the last time you saw Suicide Squad? Um, I think I saw it right at the beginning of summer 2018. Um, so I saw it a couple times at the beginning. I then saw the extended cut um, just out of curiosity when that came out. Um, but then it was a while before I watched it again. And I think at the beginning of my summer break, because I'm kind of on the academic schedule, I popped it back in um, just for some Suicide Squad fun. And I was watching some other DC movies. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, there's a lot of hate about this movie, but I don't really hate it at all. I actually kind of enjoy parts of it. I think the characters are good. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff going for it. It did not quite come together into a complete package, um, but... Yeah, I always do kind of enjoy it when I put it on. Uh, I think if you kind of just go and have fun with the characters, it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like Suicide Squad, um, unfortunately, was like targeted and it all comes down to bad timing. There's some things today that I'll ask you about Mm -hmm. if it's a a matter of bad timing. But the whole film uh, uh, reception was kind of something that I, nowadays I think, Oh, you know, you came like, you know, you you released this film right in the heat of the Dawn of Justice fallout, you the know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it kind of took the blunt of that. Especially a film like this that is kind of really edgy and weird. Um it it was just ripe for for picking if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I I, I do think this is one of those films that when you kind of like us, like we kind of feel like we're on vacation now with this kind of spin-off 
film within the DC universe. But when you come with it in that mentality, um, this film is just kind of like a ball of fun in like a really odd way. You know, it's like it doesn't uh, it doesn't have that political weight that Dawn of Justice has. And when you treat it as such, you just you have a much better time with it, you know. Mm -hmm. I like it, too, that it fills out the world a bit um, because we are seeing kind of this underground covert kind of stuff, but it's responding to the presence of metahumans. So I think it is adding a nice dimension to the this, you know, world that we're exploring with Superman and everything. And uh, I like seeing and I think it's kind of believable, like, yeah, governments would be they would be having some some sensitive talks about how do we handle this metahuman stuff? Do we need to try to get some metahumans for us? Do we try to coerce them into doing what we want them to do? So I thought that's kind of a cool way to add into the world. Yeah, absolutely. The Amanda Waller character yeah, is one good. of those characters that is like, okay, this makes total sense that this person exists in this universe, right? It's like that to me when they're having like a, well, I don't know if they're having like a, a writing room meeting or anything about it, but the Amanda Waller character like, this is a perfect time to introduce someone. Someone who's, like, that looks at metahumans and, and has, like, the dollar bill signs in their eyes. You know what I mean? Like that. Or the I need to control them, like, in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, is that your biggest takeaway? Or, like, uh, what is, to you, what is the, the most memorable part of Suicide Squad for you? Uh, I think it's two characters. I think it's Amanda Waller and it's the Joker. Um, for me, the Joker is just, well, we'll get into it this week. But for me... He's just really engaging to watch. One of those characters, for me, I couldn't take my eyes off him. I was always wondering what he's going to do, how he's going to do his next line. Like, to me, is just really captivating. Um, but Waller, I was really intrigued by that character. So those were really the highlights for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, we might as well get into it because the Joker, like, them, like what's going to be great about it is I... As a character, I don't care so much for the Joker. Like, I think he's kind of uh, oversaturated the the Batman stories that most of the mass media uh, gets shown. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as portrayal with Jared Leto in this movie, um, it's kind of cool. So this minute, we're talking about minute number eleven, and it's gonna start. Uh, it's gonna start with like basically the assault on Arkham. So Joker. In this point of the flashback, it's a flashback within a flashback within a flashback. It's like Amanda Waller telling Harley Quinn's flashback. It's like, oh we're my like, God, it is. We're like, we're like really incepted into like this, <laughs> into like this big old flashback. And you know what's the worst part? We just accept it. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we've been under this theory that this movie is told through the mind of Harley Quinn, which is why it has like the kind of purple greenish aesthetics when it comes to flashbacks of any sort um the animated like text like the, flyover the, the text. quick cut kind <clears throat> of short attention span yes thing that, that's happening so there's a lot of wacky things that happens and it only makes sense that it's like oh this is a suicide squad movie she may not be the protagonist fully but it's told through her kind of um, twisted mind yeah. in some sort. So there's like a lot of aesthetically yeah. edits that, you know. If it was through Amanda Waller's eyes, it would be like report, <laughs> mission-based kind of kind of dealing. But I guess they trick you into thinking that she's the uh, narrator? Um, A little bit. Like she's narrating this part, but then 
throughout the second parts of the film, she becomes, uh, she becomes like the 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 elixir, the chalice that they have to go. Wallace's briefcase. Yeah, kind of that yeah. that kind of thing. Like, oh, you, like your mission is to go save her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does seem like it's told through Harley. Um, and yeah, we're we're here in uh, way too many flashbacks. We're deep in it. So where we are is Joker has kind of, well, he's manipulated Harley, which is debatable because I have some theories about Harley. Um, But basically he's gotten a hold on the Arkham Asylum. Now there's this huge riot. There's, there's Joker's henchmen have completely flooded the system and he's kind of taken over, right? Yeah. I've seen jailhouse rock. (laughs) Exactly. Um, uh, you guys like as far as Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker? Are you guys impressed? I have. Can I answer your question with a question? Yes. I think it's like my main question here. Is this too hard of acting? You know what I mean. Like, is overacting the word? Hmm. Because uh, the and it's hard to ask this i don't know how to form it as a real question it's like more of of an idea in my mind so our image is of, he trying too hard yes like that that's part of it that that is part of the question but at the same time do you like have to you have to have a certain energy to portray this character on screen mm-hmm. it's been seen different ways you know caesar yada yada nicholson ledger yada yada but like they're trying to depict this amount of craziness in this guy but at the same time like there's other iterations of the joker that you can tone it down you know what i mean it's almost like is he trying to one up heath ledger's joker Mm -hmm. with like oh look how crazy you were i can be even crazier do you know what i mean but like in a real like in a silly way, like in an elementary kind of way. I'll get back to you, but first okay. let's hear Sam. What are, yeah. what are your impressions about Jared Leto here? Um, yeah, I tend to be a person who's like very open to alternative interpretations. Uh, I try to, as best I can, like come to different creators and creative, you know, visions uh, with an open mind. So, you know, the first images were coming out of Jared Leto with the white skin, the tattoos, and stuff, and. I was like, all right, this looks intriguing. Uh, I want to check it out. Uh, I like him as an actor. So I came in pretty open-minded. And I, when I was watching the movie in theaters, I had a very positive response to this portrayal just because, I, like I said earlier, my eyes just were really glued to him. Like when his scenes happened, I was like at the front of my seat watching to see what was going to happen. Um, to me, he really brought out this kind of like psychotic edge of uh, – I don't know what's going to happen. And he also, I thought it was interesting that he had this entourage around him. You know, he had like the Johnny Frost and he had these people that would, like we see in this minute, like he's got people that can come and storm Arkham Asylum on his behalf. So the fact that he's commanding these, you know, minions and stuff was also kind of intriguing. And they're working for a guy who's clearly so psychotic and crazy and stuff. So for me, I was kind of just intrigued by the whole thing. Um, I know it's not a Joker movie, but I thought there was enough of him in there that I got, you know, really interested in this version of the character. So, yeah, I mean, I, for me, a pretty positive, uh, positive about it overall. Not to say anything bad about any previous incarnations of the Joker or, you know, uh, animated versions or whatever. I think you can like a lot of them at the same time. 
Yeah, and I think that's <clears throat> one, of the, one of the beauties of this character. If you're a big fan of the Joker, is is just he is a wild card, and it seems almost wrong. We do it a lot with not just the character, this character, but any superhero or portrayal of a iconic character is comparing him or that character to previous generations. And so that's something that we are at fault at doing. And um, kind of my, uh, my overall feelings about this character here, this interpretation of the Joker is that it falls under bad timing that given that we saw Joker was it 2016. So eight years before that Mm -hmm. we had Heath Ledger's Joker. And so, you can never separate that. Like there's always going to be those that want to compare and say, Oh, this person did it better. And it's like, maybe it's not about who did it better because you know, when we come 20, 20 years later, looking back on this film, you shouldn't have to, you should just be like, all right, here's another interpretation. Just like if I pulled any Batman book written by a different writer at the time, like their Joker is going to be different. And is that Joker in that story? successful not successful like literally but like successful like to the reader like does that does that work for you given the the context of the story where we are in this universe like and those are the things that we should be judging and then maybe the actor's actual performance in the scenes or or the, the entire film but we shouldn't like like comparing the actors to each other and their portrayals isn't something that the actors even want. Like they're not, they're not gunning for that. They're not. It's not. It's not a debate. It's mm-hmm. not a competition. Oh, who played them better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something. Um, that kind of question that when you post something like that, it's it's like it's it's void. Like why would why would that even be the topic of conversation? But it, it becomes it becomes a topic of conversation. The only one that people want to have, and it's like you're you're asking the wrong questions here. Um, the question is, is he better than Heath Ledger? Which just sounds dumb. But the question should be, does his portrayal work in the context of this film? And in the context of this film, yes, it does. But it is bad timing because you're going to get caught with that. And I also think how much of him is in the film can arguably take away from the the direction of the film. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. I think... Personally, although I do like, you're right, Sam. This this Joker that we get in here is kind of magnetic. You're kind of like drawn to like his his like quirkiness. But his... like that's, I feel like that's the case for every Joker. That he should be magnetic, right? He, I mean, even especially that's. I feel like that's why the character was created. He was the magnetic guy. He, you were supposed to pay attention to him. He was the flamboyant clown prince of crime you know flashy mm-hmm. and and this is what he does he robs banks for fun and gets away in a hot air balloon like mm-hmm. it was just you're supposed to be drawn to him the theatricality um, of it exactly i mean which go coincides with batman of course um and of and it's the opposite dark and bright yada yada so the happy and sad mass i think you pointed that out the well other yeah day. batman is the theater it's comedy yeah. and tragedy it's especially the relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. um that old news mark yeah um but i think i'm gonna piggyback with what sam did say i don't know if i like jared leto's joker but i'm 
constantly watching him and I want more. The the best thing the best things about this this movie as a whole that I'll tell you guys little spoilers are the scenes with Batman and Joker because they're not like oh nice to meet you I'm Joker hey nice to meet you I'm Batman no it's like they already have like the, we we are already under the assumption that they've been fighting uh, each other for twenty years which is the best thing. You like how downplayed it is. It's so downplayed. Like so it's just another they're night. established the Joker. Kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's that's mm-hmm. the best thing that you can do for the characters. Um and that's the thing that I wanted more in this movie. I wanted just the subtleness of that cat and mouse Joker and Batman. So I'm constantly watching Joker for Batman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. I think he talked too much in this movie. I screen time i'll give it to you yeah i think there's still he he still had a little too much he was a little shoved down your throats a little bit but same amount of screen time less dialogue i'd probably be sold a little bit more yeah i think um i think scaling him back to just the flashbacks and what they try to do is they try to they and at they, the end have a big wow like they, showmanship <laughs> that that'd be great anyway, they limped we'll get there they limped in with him being part of the actual the the uh, present day timeline, which was the midway thing with Enchantress. Yeah. They, they like limped him into that, um, and I I think the rumors are that he had more to do with the plot line at first, and then they scaled him back. But I think if you were going to do that, then continue to scale back so that he's just harley's origin and he's within the flashbacks like you pepper him in Mm -hmm. and then people go oh yeah he was in there but it's just as much as like the flash was in there for boomerang like it's like it's there to show you why harley is who she is because she is the main character not the joker Mm -hmm. like this is her story you've had plenty of films it's the same exact thing but like with joker and batman you peppered in Batman when you had the Joker on screen. Oh yeah, the amount of Batman that's in this thing. movie is yeah. the perfect amount for these these villains. Like, yes, you guys have Batman backgrounds, cool. Mm-hmm. He was and there. it's already established. Yeah, you get it's it. Like, you got it. It's but enough. the Joker thing, it's like, why don't we scale that back just as much? Like, we know you guys are mostly from Gotham. I'd say like fifty percent of you are from Gotham, so like we know you guys have those ties. But to limp in with the Joker in the present day seem to be like, okay, you have him at 15 minutes of f- screen time. So what are we doing? Are we pushing it? Are we, you know, like, so it's a, it's a curious amount of screen time that he has. It makes you kind of question how big of a deal he was supposed to be. And I understand maybe it's like a Hollywood thing where you're like, hey, Jared Leto wants his screen time. And it's like, I understand that, dude, but you're not the main character here. Like, I know we got you to play such a big iconic character, and sell it, dude. Like, go for that Oscar nominee or whatever. But you're only going to get, like, nine minutes, not 15. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's always... That's always an issue. And those things can really hinder, hinder the pacing of a film. And Vi- uh, Viola um, Davis, I think, got an Oscar for, like, nine minutes of screen time or whatever in uh, in Doubt. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yes. But she, like, has... Basically, she has one scene, and she nailed that scene so hard that they gave her an award, I, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> and that's all... And that's the perfect example. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, I think... I think... He, personally, I don't think... Wow, it's hard to say, because it's kind of, like, been confirmed by everyone in the world that 
Jared Leto went a little overboard with the method acting. But I think that's just what his character is because in my in-universe explanation for the Joker's behavior in this entire movie, it seems like every line of dialogue he has, he is a different person. Yeah, that's why I said it was too much. Yeah, it's just like so much going on. Every time he says something, it's like a different accent, a different behavior, and it's... It's almost like he has... No, like, you're going... You're treading water too close to it. I know where you're going with it. He's not playing Crazy Jane. No, I'm not saying <laughs> Crazy Jane, but he does seem to have, like, like, um, j- like quick changes in, in behavior. Like, and, like, I'm, and I'll give it an, to you... It's not an act. It's yeah. like he's just actually psychotic. I l- I'll give it to you on that basis. Like, okay, Joker is kind of crazy. Maybe it does... Maybe it makes sense for him to have, like, that split bipolar whatever you want to call it like change Mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm also real heavy under the assumption that joker is in control of his craziness like it's not like he's i think that's the question hearing voices in his head that's like oh wow wow, let me pull this trigger no it's like he already knew that he was going to pull that trigger two days ago he just had to play it Mm -hmm. up you know save that question or save that i've got some thoughts on that in a couple days um but the <laughs> I didn't even mean that was just a shot in the dark. I didn't mean the, for that to fit yeah, so well. <laughs> the last thought I had on this comparison thing real quick is um, Mark, you mm-hmm. mentioned that it's really kind of about does Joker serve the story and the Dark Knight, that story was written around Joker and he gets to he gets to be a cool character because he is well acted by Ledger. But the plot also revolves around the Joker. So he gets to do the bank robbery. He gets to, you know, have the hospital. He gets to, you know, get arrested himself because he wants to be arrested and he gets to have the two boats. Like, all that stuff, which helps really bring out, like, wow, that character was amazing. It's also because there was really great writing through the whole story start to finish. Um, In this one, you know, it's not a Joker movie and he's not the center of the movie. Um, But I think he does fit the story, like you said, Mark. And for me, the reason he fits the story is because... This Joker, the main thing is he needs to have room for Harley Quinn. And, like, I cannot imagine the Heath Ledger Joker having a girlfriend. Like, that does, to me, it doesn't make sense. Um, but this Joker, okay, he's like, you know, a gangster, kind of mob boss in Gotham sort of thing. And yeah, he's crazy and has all this stuff. But a gangster mob boss is one that would have a girlfriend. Like, he could have this thing. Um, so, for me, that does make sense for the story. That's what was needed. He was needed to, he needed to be a character where it made some sense to have Harley Quinn next to him. Yeah, and and that's who is at the end of the the end of the day. The focus is on Harley Quinn's behavior, her you know, her kind of situation where she is right now. And segueing into that, that's my question now. It's like what is the situation with this assault on Arkham? like this this raid on this on this asylum what is the situation between them is it <laughs> i wrote down accidental stockholm syndrome because that's kind of what it feels like where joker uh has feel he feels in my theory feels like he's manipulated harleen quinzel to serve his gain now he's kind of broken free he's in control of this asylum now and now he's kind of stuck with this doctor who's now crazy about him. And I'm not sure he, I'm not one, I'm not sure if he's like, he's like 
oh no, what do I do with this? I, like I have this, you know, this person who's like, like. But you're describing it like he fed a baby bird and now it's like attached to him. Kinda. I mean, it's, oh. it's, but or I wrote down blah. If you want me to like go into it, that's what I wrote down. Especially the the line of dialogue that Harley has, and this is just my personal opinion on the. I guess it's a trope now. It's just the Joker Harley Quinn dynamic. You can't even call it a dichotomy. It's just, it is the dynamic of, of the two of them. It could it could be um, feeding into like the modern day trend of fascination with uh serial killers and that's true too crime. much no that's too much that's it's more basic than that like dial it back and that's what it is i feel like that's the most basic you, that's the trend nope. now isn't most it? basic you can get is you, it looks good slapped on a t-shirt at hot topic the harley quinn joker yeah relationship like that's because it's just, toxic because it's naturally toxic i'm not even going no that's too freund on you man i'm not even going that far it's like it's just like for some reason, it's the poster child of teenage angst and apathy. Or the... Apathy in relationships. Rebellion. Rebellion, maybe. I mean, I don't know. For some reason, it's They just are like, sold as that sometimes. They yeah, are sold as like the, oh, everyone falls in love with a bad boy. Yeah, and that kind of just, when it gets shoved down your throat too much, it's like, I'm, I'm done with it. Um, and I don't mean to hark on anybody's love for Joker and Harley Quinn. I've seen some amazing costumes in it. I've I've read some great books about Harley Quinn and the Joker. Um, but, like, the whole... Um, what am I getting at is this... I wrote down, blah, quote-unquote, Mr. J. Like, that turn right there, it's... what. It, it, I feel like someone was like, yeah, you can throw that dialogue in there because people know it too early. Hmm. With the Batman jump, uh, Batman showing up with Deadshot, because we know that it's evil, it's a villain and like he's in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Great, cool. Not too early, but this line that's specifically from her first appearance in you know the animation, mm-hmm. it's a little too soon. It just left a bad taste in my mouth, especially how quick it was. Like it, I feel like it was supposed to be like a little nod, uh huh, a little Easter egg. Oh, about like their yeah, oh yeah the about classic. about classic Harley Quinn and yeah. stuff like that. But I, I just I don't know. It left a bad taste in my mouth, and that's why I'm just like blah. Mm. Ugh, come on. Are your thoughts, Sam? Uh, yeah, I don't have many thoughts on the line. I kind of I could I could see Nate's point on the line, but in terms of this like scene overall or the relationship overall, I definitely read it like Mark was saying, where. I think Joker was just like I can use this young woman as my way to get out of here. I can I see that I can manipulate her. And oh, stuff. totally. And then I think after, he, like, so here now they shoot up Arkham, so now he's free. I just view it as now he's just gonna have some fun and games. Like he he realizes, oh, I have this like woman, like you know, she even when I'm zapping her and torturing her, she still wants to stay with me. So I'm just going to toy and play around with her for a while, until the turn later but like uh the moment when he turns around at the acid bath or whatever but i think he's basically like i'm gonna use her oh and then i guess i'll keep around and kind of just play with her a bit as just you know for him people are just play things uh but then the the joke is on him eventually which is that he actually does have (laughs) some feelings for her eventually even though he i think he didn't want to do that it kind of surprised himself even i get i get that maybe i'm 
maybe I'm hitting a brick wall with me I, not being open to I, that I, side I do, of Joker. I do agree with you on some things, Nate. And yeah. here, let me expand on that. Because, like, I do think that this film, maybe they were going to do it later. Maybe that's why they didn't do it in this film. But when you talk about, and I feel like I'm being the villain by telling people how they should tell the story. People should just be, maybe people like this relationship. But you would think that when you tell the Harley Joker story, that what you're trying to highlight is, hey, you're a better person when you realize that you don't need that negativity in your life, that toxic person in your life. And that it is the evolution of Harley's character that we now look back on, especially with the Injustice story. I was going to say Injustice Harley. Yeah. That's the best Harley in my because opinion. Because her story yes. is knowing that she's better and she becomes a better person. Independent woman. By realizing that. Yes, exactly. Two jobs. But this movie... Own house. This movie doesn't tell that. And if it does, it doesn't do it clearly. I think it does, but it doesn't do it clearly. Um, but... Some people do prefer the Harley Joker story that is like, oh, we're just two rebels in love kind of thing, like us against the world kind of thing. Like, the, like we're not crazy. The world is crazy I get kind it. of thing. I'm, like, all, I'm all for I do MCR agree. and everything. That's I get like, it. Yeah. yeah like. And some people <laughs> are about that, um, which is fine. But I would think that the better part of the story is is telling about the the realizing that you're better than the person who made you the way you are. Um, that being said, there there's part of me that thinks, okay, so what is it that gets Harley Quinzel to <laughs> interview the Joker, right? And to try and fix him. Fascination. And part of me is like, maybe she is so good at her job that this is the cure that this is the oh. long way mm-hmm. to curing him. And so he thinks he's manipulating her, but what she's doing as a psychiatrist, and, and she doesn't really know it, but she's like... Matching his energy. She has to go down into hell yeah, to get there with him. And Joker is such a crazy lunatic. He doesn't need anybody. He can kill anyone and move on, and that's his life. That's how he lives his life. He's, it's chaotic. But as soon as he tries to kill this woman, and she says, Mr. J, and there's like this psychotic break yeah. of like, what? And he's like, I can't do it. And then like we're going to see, um, like in tomorrow's minute, he kind of like, he's like, I'm not going to kill a, you. I'm just going to yeah, hurt yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Don't ruin it, Mark. Actually, he says in this minute, I think, so. But does he say that I he think that oh, he does, although she has like, I don't know. I get where you're I coming think she's, from. I think she's secretly curing Joker in some real mental game battle. Yeah. And that she's really just that good. And she's getting down there. She's I'm trying to think like, I don't know. I'm thinking of like predator when arnold's fighting predator and he's like you know let me, let me get myself covered in mud like i need to go i need to get in i need to descend into into hell like dante and only then will i will i match that you see what i'm saying yeah hercules pulling mega up i got yes, it yes 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 odyssey odysseus descending into yeah, hell yeah anyway um yeah, yeah let's I, go with the real one and not the disney version but um, I, I do think this is also, uh, and I wrote a quick note, I wrote modern day fascination with, with Dahmer-like characters. 
And uh, I, I do feel like to today's world has a little bit of a populated fascination with true crime and serial killers. And so I do feel like kind of the appeal of this relationship between the two, like this kind of golden age, like relationship of, of theirs comes from us being fascinated by people like Joker who are psychotic. And it's like, because they're so chaotic, you're so attracted to that character. And so maybe that's why the maybe that's the appeal at first for some people. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, you got me. But I yeah, mean, um, that's uh, it's uh, you're barking up the wrong tree there, Bucko. <laughs> or the right one. There are uh, there are a lot of TV shows that seem to take on that angle, like interviews with serial killers, and you know, almost like from the perspective of them. Uh, and I I've heard that like serial killers will get love letters and stuff from strangers that have just become fascinated with them or something. So in prison, they get those letters. You'd kind of like to think though, that it wouldn't be the, the psychologist who, who is actually like approved to come into Arkham Asylum. You'd hope that they would not fall trapped to that, but yeah, Gotham's a scummy place. They got scummy doctors. Yeah. It was all set up. It's uh blame, uh, Hugo strange for that one. But, um, yeah, that's all. That's all I had for this one. We're going to get into, yeah, this whole I got week. one note, one last note. Yeah, go for it. All right, so I might have been overstepping some boundaries or stepping on toes or mushing some marshmallows or what have you um, with my whole Joker bit about the overacting and stuff have like a, that. Have at it. No, okay, so at the end of this minute, we do get the not going to hurt you or mm-hmm. we're not going to kill you thing. I liked it in the trailers. And I thought that was great because it was like a good amount that we got to see about the Joker. It was a good amount. So I was down for it. I was like, okay, cool. I got the full photo, like him, the white paint, the tattoos. I got that. I got this in motion. I got some audio. It was good. I enjoyed it. It felt like Joker. And then watching this movie now, it just dips in and out of like feeling like Joker, doesn't feel like Joker. And I don't know. I mean... Good on you on you those really can't tell. trailers. You can't tell, like, because I'm talking about, like, the dipping in and out of, like, his, mm-hmm. his portrayal. And it's, like, that's, to me, it was, like, I can't tell where this guy's mind is. Like, I, that's great. And maybe that's, you know, a perfect 100% A-plus gold star Joker. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. And... I, Maybe, but no, I have to form an opinion by the time we're done with this because I can't wait till another version of Joker comes out for me to compare it because then I'd just be doing the same dumb thing that we're doing now <laughs> with Heath Ledger. Like, I have to make a decision. Now, I gotta do th- Um I mean, I, it was good in, the, it, it was great in the trailers. Although there were like four different trailers for this movie that came out, weren't mm, there? Yeah, they, yeah. They changed it up quite. And there was a couple of them that it was like you you nailed the Joker part. There was one that was like fully Joker. I think. Yeah. There was one that was like, oh, the Joker. Yeah. Like it had him in the laying on the ground with the nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had yeah, all that there stuff. was one that they were like really pushing, like, oh, he's in this movie. It's like okay, yeah. and I think that was to me one of those downfalls where I was like, you guys really hyped this character. Oh yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have. And again. I think that's, again, the bad timing that everything that I said earlier was like, yes, we overhyped a background character. Like, there was no trailer that was just about the Batman. No, I mean, well, thank you. Thank, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. And yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. I don't know. I, I, I think I like him. I don't think I like him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's <laughs> okay. 
I think I I think I like him. I, I think I him. like the character. I don't like the amount of screen time. Sam, what do you what are your final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this scene had a little bit of extended dialogue from the Joker and like in that sense I kind of agree with Nate that that would have been a place to I think well they did for the theatrical remove some of his dialogue. His dialogue here about the you erased my mind, you know, my faded memories left me in a black hole. Like, I didn't need that dialogue, and if you took that out, like it is in the theatrical version, then there's more of a punch to the, I'm not going to kill you, I'm just going to hurt you really, really bad. Because that becomes more of, like, a bigger portion of his dialogue becomes that line. But when you throw in, like, four extra lines, then it dilutes it a little bit like that. And I also think, like, the erase my mind, my faded memories and stuff, I'm like, hmm. It, it seems like maybe he's trying to manipulate her still, but... I would think if you've already gotten what you wanted, you don't need a manipulator. Now you can just move into the fun and games phase of the relationship, which the torture is to Joker. That's the fun and games. But he doesn't need to try to like still manipulate her about, oh, my 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 background, my memories. You took those from me. Like, So I, I, I in this sense, I prefer the theatrical cut for this moment. And it does reduce his dialogue a little bit. Yeah. There, there are, you know, the more lines of dialogue you add to this character, especially this kind of character... Um, we always, we always grab at every, uh, line that a Joker has Mm -hmm. because he has no origin. And so when you say stuff about his origin, what memories I had, like you left my mind in some black hole, it's like, what you're doing is you're getting the audience to be like, okay, well, what happened? Who hurt you? Is he saying you as in you, Harleen Quinzel, or you as in Arkham Asylum people, like your staff, like you guys ruin, like... You guys try to twist my mind. Like, your mind's, you fell in a vat of, like, ace chemicals, dude. Like, what do you mean, us? Like, we didn't do anything. So, I don't I'm So maybe he's just man versus society. Maybe, like, and it's like when you drop those lines, all right, you guys got to explain that to me now. You can't just, like, say that and then, like, not explain yeah, it. So, just drop it. as of right now, like, I feel like he's just mad at her. I feel like he's just, like, really mad at this one person and he's like he like i want it i want to hurt you because you you know this entire time you were playing this cat and mouse game of psychiatrist and and inpatient and now i have you on the on the electric chair kind of thing so um it's it's kind of like they're giving him a motivation in this scene that he doesn't want to torture harley but yeah joker does not need a motivation to torture somebody like he would just do it because he can you know yeah um if i were so, yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, if I were to try to defend these extended lines, um, maybe he is trying to plant some guilt into Harley because then he knows that that will make her, like, more beholden to him later because she, she like, wants to help him and she loves him and all this stuff. So maybe he's just totally making it up and he's saying, like, you, you really hurt me. And he's maybe doing that so that she'd be like, oh, I hurt you. Well, let me make it better. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help you. And I'm going to be your little sidekick for the future. So that would be my only defense of the line is that maybe he's just trying to plant some guilt to manipulate her in the future. But I don't really need it. I I would also be (laughs) fine if it was like the theatrical where he's just like pops the lamp down and and goes to the torture. I think it's just bad Joker writing. When in in doubt, tell yourself that you're the victim. I'm the victim. You hurt me. And then so they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, let me help you. Um, and so, like, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's, like, that's the game plan. You just victimize yourself and people eventually, like, or naturally they feel like they're endowed to to make you 
I don't know, to ask for forgiveness that it's like, you don't need to be asking for forgiveness. You did nothing wrong. It's like, but they made me feel like that. So yeah, that could be. And I think in relationships, that's, is a lot of the manipulation Mm -hmm. in like unhealthy relationships between people Mm -hmm. is the, the one person plays the victim and then the other one feels bad. And it's really just a manipulation. Bummer summer. Yeah. I'm not downplaying those at all. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't think it's. Well, let's 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 ask the audience, right? Ask the audience. Yeah, you can. uh, If we we'd love to hear your thoughts on. uh, Please don't compare. I don't want comparisons. I just want to know what you guys thought about the Joker that's in this story. Tell us what you think. Tell us what like is it too much of him? Too little of the character? Um, what do you think of the relationship between the two, Harley and, and, and Joker? And y- yeah, let us know. You can find us on all social media, DCU Minute, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. On Facebook. On Facebook. And yeah, we'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number 12 of Suicide Squad Minute. <laughs>